This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, it's a beautiful day where I'm sitting today. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We are going to talk about the intersection of technology and biology and healthcare and, and medical and drug development. And it's going to be so many things that you don't know that if you take a listen, you're going to have an opportunity, I promise, to learn something new today. So our guest is a serial entrepreneur in both the software and biotech space. And he has founded multiple companies, and hopefully he'll give us a little background on that story. But we just love talking to CEOs who have started companies and reached 50 million or less than five years, who have sold a company for over a billion dollars. So hang on, again, I told you, he's got wonderful gems of information, and he's somebody you want in your network. So it is my pleasure to introduce you to Yoki Sloneman, and he is with Anima Biotech. And if you're near a computer, take a look up and follow along with us as he tells the business story. So Yoki, welcome to the program. Thank you, Alison, for having me on this program. So give us a little bit about the current business that you're working with, with Anima. Tell us a little bit about what they do and where they're located in the world. So Anima Biotech is a drug discovery platform technology company. We have a technology that utilizes phenotypic screening in a way that is very high scale and automated to discover drugs that modulate mRNA biology. And we incorporated into our technology another aspect completely separate from the biology, which is artificial intelligence, that is used to actually understand and elucidate how these molecules actually work. Now, maybe people are not familiar with many of the terminologies that I was using here because I was saying phenotypic screening and mRNA and artificial intelligence, but actually this comes to the um, very fundamental way that the uh, pharmaceutical industry is discovering drugs. The way that this works, there are actually, I would say this is new to many people, that um, diseases are mostly caused by proteins. And you could have with a protein multiple things that could go wrong. You could have too little of it, you could have too much of it, or you could have a mutation in it. Mutation is related to genetic diseases. Many people are aware of that, and you can do some genetic testing. But most of the diseases that we know of are just a protein going out of 
out of control. Um, for example, it's overexpressed, meaning your cells are making too much of it, or it's underexpressed, there is not enough of it. And this is causing many, many diseases like cancer and neurological diseases and many others. And the drugs, those pills that we take, oral drugs, what they do, they try to attach themselves. It's called bind to those proteins and uh -huh. neutralize them. But the problem is that most of the proteins, like 95% of the 20,000 known proteins, they don't have on their surfaces those uh, nice pockets where those molecules can attach. And therefore, the diseases that are caused by these proteins remain untreatable. That's the fundamental problem. There has been a lot of noise over the last uh, two years in the media around the word mRNA. And there are drugs of a new category called mRNA drugs. The COVID-19 vaccines are one class of those um, drugs, but they are vaccines. What we are dealing with is discovering drugs that are controlling the mRNA biology in a way that is applicable to diseases, not to infections or viruses. And the way that we have identified to discover those molecules is that we are uh, screening. It's called an automatic process where you try on a high scale using um, robotics, um, automation, software, microscopy, and it's running and screening, which means testing in Syria, high number of molecules. And we are talking about up to a million molecules like this running in sequence. And what the system is doing is trying to see which molecule could be the drug. And a molecule that is not attaching itself to the protein, because as we said, we are dealing with diseases where you cannot attach to the protein. So where could it attach? What could it do? So the whole word mRNA, and the reason that it's such a promise is that instead of going after the protein, you could try to go one step before it is made. And it's made by that mRNA, which is like a code that is used to be translated eventually to the protein. So if you could go there, you could go one step before the protein is made. So it's a new strategy. And what we are discovering are molecules that are attaching there and controlling there. And we actually can see for the first time ever, and no company in the world has this capability, we can actually capture in imaging what's happening to that mRNA and how the molecule is potentially attaching there or changing it or doing something around the biology of it. And we capture out of those hundreds of thousands of molecules that we are running under the microscope like this automatically. It's like millions of experiments. Think about it like this. You take disease cells, and you run like millions of experiments automatically testing different molecules until you see something that has an effect. And the effect is seen in images. And there are many, many images captured from each experiment. So altogether, maybe let's say 100 million images. And you upload them automatically to the cloud. And now you've got a million over a thousand million. It's like billions of images that we collected in this way. It's like a database of what molecules do to mRNA. And we look at that and we can identify the molecules that actually have done something useful. They've somehow changed the biology of the mRNA in a way that eventually 
either prevented that protein, harmful protein from being made, or if it's missing, increased its production. And now we have a lead, a hint, you know, it's like the beginning of a drug. You discover the molecule that is doing the magic and it's doing it through mRNA. So that's the first part. The second part is how does the molecule work? And what, this what brought me actually into biology is that I thought that there could be an interesting angle on that with software and with artificial intelligence in particular, that you could actually analyze those millions of images with AI, and you could actually see through that maybe what is the mechanism of action of those drugs. And actually, mechanism of action is a huge, huge thing for drugs because it's not enough to know that there is a molecule. Everybody wants to know how it's working because then it will be possible to know if it has side effects, if it has problems, how to optimize it further. So super important is the mechanism of action. And we are discovering molecules through this phenotypic screening, this idea of screening many molecules to see the effect on the phenotype of the disease. And we are capable of using artificial intelligence to uncover the mechanism of action of these drugs. And the combination of these things is actually the combination of mRNA biology with AI that nobody else, as far as we know, is actually even doing that. And specifically not the ability to use AI to understand how drugs work. There are many well, companies, wanna... by the way, that are trying to discover the drugs. Yeah. With AI. And I want to jump in here. I want to jump in because, wow, that's that's a wealth of information you just laid out for our, our listeners um, and things that I hadn't realized before. And and how you can see how brilliant using AI and machine learning accelerates the process of uh, and the problems that you're trying to solve. I, I want to change the conversation just a little because you really started off as a as a, a tech guy. Um, and then moved into this. And I know you shared with me before the interview started what that trigger was for you to say, I, I can take my technology um, insight and apply it to you know, medicine and, and to this healthcare field. Tell our listeners a little bit about your, your first companies and, and what that was that triggered for you to say, I need to go in on um, this uh, piece working on um, mRNA, but what? give us a little background on where you were before that. Okay. I actually started my career as a software guy, as you said, a tech, but, but specifically in software. And it's interesting that um, actually software is uh, something that we all kind of use without thinking. It's part of our life. But what actually was interesting for me when I started, uh, when I was 16 years old and I was uh, programming my first uh, computer, um, I was actually interested in the problems that happen when software doesn't work, mm. which is called bugs. And my first company uh, called Mercury Interactive was a company that tried to automate the process of finding bugs in software. And that was a very useful thing at the time because people were actually starting to rely on software for many critical, you know, things like online banking. And so, so problems in software are problems in life for people and it affects our life. So I, I created this company 
And it became very successful and very, very quickly, like we took it public after four years. And the company continued to grow organically as a public company and grew the revenues of the company to over $1 billion. Eventually, it was acquired by HP and became the software division of, of HP. So th that was actually my first company. And, and the second company actually was a continuation of this one. And I will link it to biology in a second because this seems very far from mRNA, but actually you will <laughs> see some, some uh, connection that led me there. And the second one was, okay, you found that there is a problem in the software, which is called a bug, and then everybody wants to fix it. So everybody is asking, why did the problem happen? And I turned into another, to create another company, which was all about that. That one actually was a, a cool idea. People told me that it's a cool idea. It was like, just like a black box on the airplanes that records the flight, you know, if mm -hmm. the airplane would crash, you know, everybody will dig the black box and see what happened. They will kind of see what happened in time, going back in time. So I thought about this and said, but software is like an airplane like this, you know, uh, think about, I don't know, Citibank.com, you know, if it crashes like an airplane, it needs a black box. So I thought about the black box for software applications. And it was a kind of software that was recording everything that happened in the application and you could go back in time and see what happened at the time of the problem. That was also a kind of a very timely idea because people were turning their mind from there is a problem to how to fix the problem. And that was a great way to fix problems. So that company also became very successful very quickly. Like within five years, we already had sales to over 3000 enterprise customers revenues of over $75 million. And that company was also acquired eventually by a big software company called BMC for hundreds of millions. And I did a couple of more companies like that. And somehow I must say that I became a little bored with software, even though it was very successful, you know, business-wise, and I could continue to do that. But what was the meaning of that? What was, why continue to do that? So I was looking for something more meaningful. And I thought to myself that if I could apply that experience in software to the field of discovering drugs, that would be very meaningful. For me personally, it, it meant something to do, you know, I thought to myself, if I, dis if I discover just one drug to a disease, it's more, somehow to me, it's more meaningful than uh, helping, I don't know, a Citibank to debug <laughs> their uh, website, okay? So this is what led me to that, but it was interesting because disease is actually a bug in the system, which is your body. And it's also a bug in the software, which could be your DNA or your mRNA. These are like the software that is executed by yourself, you know, as they multiply and they divide and they grow, they repeatedly do a certain program. And most diseases are actually disruptions and bugs in that program. So that was interesting for me. And I was starting to think, okay, so we need to record that program so we can see what happened in the same idea of the black box. And that led me to the idea that if we could visualize, you know, in images what's happening in that biology, 
it's like recording it, and then maybe in those images we'll see what went wrong, to see the biology happening and to see it going wrong. And then to find molecules that are fixing it. You know, so it's not like in software that it's deterministic and you know from A to B to C. Here you are searching for the molecules using images and analysis using artificial intelligence and other things. But somehow for me, it kind of felt connected to what I was doing before. I am so grateful that there are beautiful minds like yours in the world solving these these kind of, of problems because it's just, it's so impressive. And and I, I, I really want to thank you for the work that you're doing. I want to talk about the business aspect because you, um, Anima works in uh, your headquarters in New Jersey, but I'm aware you also have locations in Israel and London and Dubai. And we're speaking with you while you're in Dubai. Tell us a little bit about the the growth of this company. Why four locations and and what you're trying to achieve? So uh, basically, Anima got started as a as a U.S. company, and the research that led to the technology that is the core technology of the company was carried um, by Anima in the um, University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And that was actually um, under a very um, lucrative grant from the MIH that was like uh, over $10 million and another grant um, with the NIST. So the technology was developed actually in the university and then was licensed to Anima exclusively. And because I was back then in Israel and I was actually the first investor in Anima also in the, as an individual, so I was kind of looking at how to take the company forward from there. And it appeared to me that there is in Israel um, a great pool of talent that is strong in both biology and software. So it, it looked natural to bring the technology to Israel and to build the development team there to actually create the platform and to start to actually develop the company from there. So this is what we've done. We took the technology and we um, created the software and the biology teams in Israel and started to run the company and raising money. And then we also started to expand to do things in the way, I would say, in the locations where it's the most um, applicable and easiest to do. For example, in Israel, you can find great biologists and, and software people are amazing and there are tons of them. But it's hard to find chemistry. Chemistry is something that is more, you know, in the pharmaceutical industry, less on the research side. And therefore, we went to the UK for that. And we started to hire people in chemistry in the UK. Um, Dubai is a recent, uh, actually, thing for the company just starting it's um, on the software side actually um, it's very very easy to create substantial um, groups here because of the way that uh, the government is enabling um, tech people to immigrate to Dubai and it's very close to Israel like less than three hours away so we are actually thinking about doing things here but this is a new operation, hasn't been actually still contributing to the company. But um, the U.S. side is actually the business side of the company where we do business development now. We are signing our deals with pharmaceutical companies like we've done with Lilly and Takeda. 
and we are working on additional deals. So this is more of the business hub of the company at the moment. Nice, very nice. Hey, I always like to ask my guests, as you've been um, building companies, what is your best philosophy and advice for other entrepreneurs and and leaders um, in terms of what are some of the things that you think they need to do that will bring them success? So th- this is actually something that um, there was a time in my career after my between my second and third companies, I was actually working with um, exactly, as you said, with entrepreneurs, and I had um, an accelerator. Back then, it wasn't called like that, but I worked with like 35 companies in early stages. And I actually have um, on YouTube quite a few um, videos that were filmed in different events for entrepreneurs. And... It led me to the understanding that the most important thing, which is missed. I mean, you asked me a good question. What would you advise people? And, and if you go and you read the answer to that um, is I haven't seen my answer in books. Okay. And my <laughs> okay. Very, okay. We're like drum roll. <laughs> yeah. My, my answer is very simple. You need to find first when you want to actually set up a company, you have an idea, okay? You need to verify that your idea is about a difference that makes a difference. It has to be different, in, like, and it has to be different in a way that matters, that makes a difference. If you don't have a difference that makes a difference, don't bother. Don't even start. You can be different in many ways. You can find some product and try to improve it a little bit and these are me too companies with some improvement. It can be a little bit cheaper, a little bit better. It doesn't make a difference, substantial difference. It will not be sustainable. It will not be survived. It will not survive and competition will close the gap very quickly. So it has to be an idea around something that is a difference that makes a difference. But then we are coming to you. You should be the one that makes a difference in that. So it has to be an idea that is good for you. So many people are coming, you know, and came to me with ideas that are good for other people because it's not in their expertise. It's, they don't have the skills. They don't have the capabilities. The idea is good, but it's good for somebody else. So it has to be an idea that is a difference that makes a difference, but you are the one that can make the difference. Okay? Yeah, no, great. Makes it, makes total, it makes total sense. And it's, it's a very, I love when, when my guests give us just such easy gems, like there's nothing very complicated in that. It, it you can quickly vis- visualize it when you when you say it. So thank you for for sharing that that piece of wisdom. Hey, I want to ask you about your leadership teams um, because I get the impression you're you're um, all in. You're you are so all in. So this is just so delightful to to speak with you. Um, what does your leadership team look like? Your 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 top C-suite, are they located in all of these different locations? Are are they together? Um, how does how does that company setup work for you? So first, uh, Anima is, um, as you understood, a company that is a hybrid of multiple technologies. That's, that's the difference that makes a difference for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the difference that makes a difference for us is that we are a hybrid of mRNA biology with artificial intelligence, 
By the way, each of these words could be used today in the world of pharmaceutical to be a difference that makes a difference on its own right. Just one word, mRNA is a huge difference that makes a difference in the ability of humanity to discover treatments for diseases that are untreatable. It's a new strategy, mRNA. It's not DNA, it's not the protein, it's in the middle. And this is what the, for example, the vaccines of COVID-19 prove. But there are other drugs in the market that are pursuing that. So mRNA by itself is a difference, it makes a difference. And AI is also a completely new idea about how to go about drug discovery. It's also an idea that, that is big, it's a difference and it makes a difference. But what happens if you are at the intersection of these two things and you are approaching mRNA, you know, to discover drugs in that biology and AI to understand how they work? So this becomes, uh, to me, a very big difference that makes a difference. And it's worthwhile to pursue these two technologies. And the management team of Anima actually is coming from these two areas. Uh, my CSO, she is a biologist, one of the probably the best that that, you know, in that field of mRNA, if not the best, one of the best in the world. And we have, you know, people coming from software that were with me in previous companies of software. Uh, my chief business officer in Boston, he is coming from the business side. And essentially, we've built a team that has, you know, the multiple skills around our platform, image processing, image analysis, artificial intelligence. So, And this goes not only through the leadership team, but that's the kind of organization that we've built that is quite different from the typical biotech, I would say, and very different from a typical software company. It's a hybrid of these two models. So this is um, very important if you want to run a company like this, you have to understand that you are actually running processes that are very different from each other. So we use the software, for example, to introduce a tremendous level of automation into the biology side. So kind of built a software system that manages the screening, the, the automation of all these process of experiments, you know, millions of experiments in live biology are managed in a lab that is automated by software. No person needs to be there. It's just running millions of experiments. And all this is cloud software that goes, you know, and stores all this in the Amazon cloud. And then we I'm listening it, to you so talk about it. And I know I'm, I'm going to interrupt because on your website, you there's a video. So my listeners, there's a video that shows some of this. But I actually, as I'm listening to you, I want to see like more pictures. It, it's fa It's a fascinating thing to imagine this the AI and the machines and this work being done without a, a human standing there um, at this scale? I, I would say that the, the scale, the scale is very important because this whole idea of discovering drugs by taking molecules, this, this is called library, a molecule library. So Anima developed a library like this of hundreds of thousands of molecules. And now you want to actually see which of these could be potentially a drug for a given disease. So if people were to sit and do these experiments by hand, one by one, it would take 100 years, not to speak about all the errors and the problems in the process. So the full and complete high-scale automation of that phenotypic screening is key. 
And we've built this system from the ground up to enable that. By the way, um, it's very uncommon for small biotechs, startups to build this kind of systems, but you do find them in big pharmaceutical companies, like of the types of the biggest companies that you see out there. And those systems were built many, many years ago without all the modern software technologies that, that we have employed and without cloud software and without all this automated analysis of the images and very error-prone processes, very slow and very tedious. And we've built like a super, super modern system with the skills of a software company. But then we brought on top of this, the automated analysis with the artificial intelligence and the execution of all these experiments guided by machine learning to identify the way that these drugs are working. Now, why is that a difference that makes a difference and to whom does it make a difference, okay? So we are working, our business model is, is in a very fundamental way is to work with pharmaceutical companies as partners, just like we did with Lilly and Takeda. So these companies are in the business of actually developing drugs and taking them to market. What happened to the pharmaceutical industry, though, is that they are, for the most part, not developing from zero the molecules. They are relying more on the innovation in smaller biotechs to find the molecules, to advance them through the discovery phases, but then hand it over to them for clinical trials, the heavy weight, you know, lifting that causes, can cost a billion dollars or more. So this is our model. So it has to mean something to them. It has to be a difference that makes a difference to your, in that case, partner, or you could say customer in a way, because you are discovering the molecule and they are kind of buying it. Even though it's called partnership and it is a partner, it's kind of a developer, discovery of the molecule, and the one who is taking it to the market through the clinical trials, which is the pharma company. The difference that makes a difference to them is that it's an amazing combination here because that phenotypic screening is actually experiments in live biology of the disease. So if you see a molecule that works, it's not working in the computer in computational manner. It's not working in simulations. It's working in the cells of the disease and showing that it could be a drug. That's huge. But the biggest problem ever over the last 30 years, it hasn't been addressed, is that those molecules, as magical as they could look, Nobody knows how they work because the huge complexity of the biology in which they are working live is now the obstacle to understand what is the magic that actually happened there. You see that the protein is now not produced or less produced or more produced, which is what you want, but you have no clue in a cell. A cell is more complicated, uh, internally complex than the city of New York. It has, you know... <laughs> hundreds of thousands and millions of things operating concurrently. So what is the thing that the molecule is doing? Where is it connecting? Where is it attaching? What is the target of that molecule? What's the mechanism of action? Our ability to provide molecules to these pharmaceutical partners that are drug candidates, but to also tell them how they work, this is the difference that makes a difference for them. Now you can take this drug, 
and run with it forward and optimize it and understand the side effects of it and and make sure that you are producing eventually something that is not only with the efficacy, but also with the safety. That's the difference that makes a difference to our partners. And this is why they are actually so excited about what we are doing. Well, I'm excited about what you're doing too. And hey, we, we've gone slightly over time, but it's such a wealth of knowledge and it's been a delight to speak with you. If people want to know more or want to connect with you, where should they go and what should they do? So I've got my LinkedIn, you know, where uh, people are uh, approaching me here and there. I'm not always uh, uh, able to commit that I will uh, answer everybody, but um, this is where uh, where I am. Um, if people search for my name, just uh, Yoki Slonim on Google, they will see that I have uh, quite a lot of videos on YouTube and some people have been writing comments to me there. Um, but, uh, I would say that, uh, through social networks, you know, that's, that's the way or, or on the website of Anima just to, to write uh, an inquiry. And, uh, we always look at all of them. Well, thank you so much for the gift of, of your time. I really appreciate it. And to our audience, if there is somebody that, you know, that needs to listen to this episode, please pass it along as always, please rate us, please share us. And also, if you haven't picked up a copy of my book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy, um, it's on Amazon. So again, until we speak, always keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Yoki, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest today. Thank you, Alison. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.